everybody, and welcome to an episode of Impactful Conversations, a platform to educate and inspire. My name is Tafad Zandlovu, and thank you for tuning in for the show. On this show, I interview and speak to individuals who are making a difference in their world, individuals who have a different way of thinking and are forming as leaders in their respective fields. I hope that you enjoy the episode, and I'd love to hear some of your feedback after listening to the episode, either by writing us a review or by heading over to the website, impactfulconversations.co.za, and heading over to the Contact Us section. Anyway, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14. I am joined here by Ayanda Nyati. Ayanda is a news anchor and journalist and a familiar face and familiar voice, I'm sure. Uh, you know, by the time that you hear him, if you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you probably already recognize his face um, from the many DSTV channels that he has been on. It is certainly a privilege to have Ayanda here. We we are going to chat about a, a whole bunch of whole ranging topics. And I hope that, you know, you enjoy the show. Um, there are various platforms that the show is available on. Um, on the YouTube channel, uh, the video is available as well as on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Um, we also have a website that's impactfulconversations.co.za for you to get to know everything about the show. But do subscribe to any one of the one of your favorite platforms or to them all if you feel like it. But um, let's get cracking. Ayanda, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thanks, Tafa. Finally, we get to catch up. Uh, yeah. I knew it was going to take one of your many innovations for us to get here. Since you're forever busy, I struggle to find time. So uh, what a good way to also, I guess, have a catch up between old friends. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thank you for, for agreeing to be part of the show. I know we, we spoke about this probably, what, about a month ago or so. Um, yeah. you know, to really to really have a go at, at doing this episode. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about what we what we're going to dive into. And it's also a great excuse for the two of us to catch up. <laughs> Ayanda, just to start off, you know, I, I obviously know you very well. Um, a lot of people know your face, know your voice, but, you know, kick us off just with a general Q&A. Tell us about, you know, where you're from, um, what did you study and what are you passionate about? Sure. Okay. So all I know is Johannesburg. For, for the longest time, I think my immediate memory, my more distant memory is got the streets of Alex, which is where I grew up. And more broadly, I guess the streets of Johannesburg, you know, as I went through school and stuff like that. So that's pretty much my life, man. Like I've, I've um, been around the city uh, for as long as I can remember, except the point where I needed to go to university, which has, you know, was at UCT, and if you had told me how much was going to change from that moment, I would have laughed you right off and gone the opposite direction, because what happened in the very short space of time at UCT, I think, set me up for everything else that's currently even happening now. Mm. Um, and I guess that's kind of typical, isn't it, right? When you finally leave the nest and try to figure things out on your own, um, those of us who walk that journey in a more genuine way or in as open a way as we can typically come back very different people and i was not spared that process you know and i guess that kind of feeds into the second part of your question that's what i'm passionate about you know being being as honest and, and genuine as you can as you walk this life journey thing and, and seeing where it takes you and that for me has i guess put me in great positions but also put me in very scary positions because once you reckon with that you have to make um, decisions that sometimes don't have an immediate outcome, especially an outcome that you'd be comfortable with. And I know we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. We'll, we'll dive into that. But I, as I said, <laughs> you, you, have lived, you have lived that, that passion. And I yeah. think you, it really has been you know, inspiring to, to watch that. And I think a massive privilege to watch that you know, up close. But We'll we'll take people on that journey with us in, in a few moments, but yeah. um, so so let's let's talk a little bit about you know your studies, right? So let's 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 first start off. I want to start off with school, um, yeah. and 
you know, you and I actually went to the same high school. That's where we met. Um, I I really just want to get an understanding. So you, for, for a lot of people who don't know, you actually were, were a deputy head prefect um, of a private school in South Africa, right? Um, but I are, we, are, you gonna, are you going to out you? Or are we just going to keep this about me? <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention in the comment section. All I'll say is we, we work together, right? right. <laughs> very closely. We work together very closely. <laughs> but um, I, I want to get an understanding. So, you know, that's that's obviously the one of your many, many achievements that you that you achieved during your time at school. Um, and, you know, matric, matric ended up being sort of the, the pinnacle of your time at school. If we think of it, you know, as a journey up a mountain, for example. I want to understand when you're at the bottom of the mountain, grade eight, young Ayanda Nyati, was that vision a reality um, of where you'd be? And I'm not just talking about deputy prefect. I'm I'm talking about you know being you know excellent academically. I'm talking about being an excellent singer. I'm talking about being an all-round inspiration to a school of more than 700 kids, right? Um, and the broadest college as a whole as well of more than 2,000 kids as well. Bottom of the mountain, grade eight. Was that a reality for you? You know, I should probably start by saying when I got to the school we went to, it was such a culture shock. You know, um, it was a completely different world. I didn't even know where the school was. And I guess for context, it's because I got a scholarship there. And before mm-hmm. then, I couldn't even pronounce the name <laughs> of the school, yeah. let alone pinpoint it on a map and I guess place it in the greater context of where uh the quality of education is insofar it, as the rest of the country's education it's a difficult name to pronounce must say like it's yeah, really... yeah. Now, now everyone's gonna wonder what school is this yeah. <laughs> but anyway you know and i think that's important to point out you know it was a different world like i had to get into that and try to figure out what matters in this world what what people care about you know um whether or not there's a time for the things I used to uh, think mattered before coming into that environment. And I think that was my biggest challenge, navigating this Narnia, right, Uh, where there's different superpowers and uh, people get about this life thing very differently. Mm. And because of that, I did not even in the slightest of ways think I'd even be remembered by the time we got to matric. It was a matter of actually getting there and trying to survive this very, very different environment. Um, It's a good private school. A lot of people that go there are very well off. And I come from Alex. You know, I caught a taxi to get there. Mm. Um, And even when you get to the gate, you realize you need a car to get to the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a different world. Um, And yeah, and so a, a lot of my time at the bottom of the mountain, so to speak, was trying to get a sense of how on earth I'm going to get to the top, you know? Um, And by get to the top, I mean how on earth I'm going to finish more than anything else. But still, even then, most of us, if not all, have dreams and aspirations. And I I was no different from that. Um, And so I guess in hindsight, I now see that I started working on those dreams without even knowing, you know? And that's probably closely tied to how I grew up, closely tied to people who had surrounded me all my life and the ways through which they, I guess, dealt with their difficulties. You just get on with it. And hopefully at the end of the entire process, you yield the results you were hoping for. Um, and I'd never imagined that I'd get to matric with what I got with there. Um, not a chance. Even today, I'm just like, what on earth happened? <laughs> how? But, I, uh, but of course, you know, very grateful that it happened. It's it's so important, I think, that what you said, you know, that you almost consciously or subconsciously rather, you know, started working on, you know, the dreams to get to the top of the mountain. But, you know, consciously you you just wanted to finish, right? You you just wanted to get there. You could see the top, but you had you just were like, okay, as, as long as I can walk out, you know, with with my matric. And I think it's a really powerful story of of how you, you know, came from literally the bottom of the mountain to get to the pinnacle, how you did that, but also who you became at the end of that as well. I think, you know, the person that you realized that you were within that as well, I think is probably um, 
you know, been a really powerful example for so many. And I, I've spoken to a lot of people who, you know, can have really just said to me that you were a powerful example for them because you and people from all different types of backgrounds, right? It, it's, it's, it's that sort of looking at somebody who has, you know, walked the journey, walked the trail and really started to realize who they were throughout that journey and throughout the experience. So talk to me about two or three challenges that you had, um, you know, within that process of getting to the top of the mountain and how you think that also changed you as a person positively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what comes top of mind now is thinking whether or not I'm cut out for this. I think I had to deal with that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, you know, you, you, you realize that a lot of people who had gotten to that place had such incredible support and that sort of wove into who they became. And it almost felt like people had these innate tools to be able to get through um, that, that, that schooling system, which I didn't have. So I had to, for a lot of the time, kind of psych myself up to be like, no, like, yeah, very different starts, but you know, you've also got those innate tools to get through this, um, which isn't easy when you, when you have to do it you know, on your own in some respects. Um, so that was the one thing. The other thing was getting plugged into the social life. Uh, yeah, no, people live different, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't relate for a very long time. I think, yeah, for, for a very long time, it was a matter of, gee, how you have fun and my idea of fun are very different, but also how you're able to have that kind of fun is so closely tied to the access you have that even if I wanted to, I wouldn't be able to take part in that. And so, you know, socially I had to, again, subconsciously create my own beehive, so to speak, um, where I surround myself with people who are either understanding enough or people who can relate to the, um, call it the disjuncture that I was going through, you know, the disconnect. That I had to experience. So socially, that was also quite difficult. And I think for the most part, also trying to make the most of what was obviously a big opportunity. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. You know, when you know how much you've been given and you just don't want to mess it up. You know, for the most part, you just like, yeah, I gotta have something to show for this at the end of the day. And luckily, we were too young to really like grasp the magnitude of the opportunities we've been given. But I had a concept of that, you know, I had like a slight understanding that not everybody is able to be at a school like this. Not everybody is able to go through the type of exposure that we go through. And because of that, it almost feels like you better have something to show for it, you know, because it's that unique. And so, yeah, I mean, I, just at the top of my head, I'd, I'd, I'd say those were the, the three big things. Am I good enough for this? Socially, what the hell is happening here? And um, make this count, you know, make this work as, as much as you can. And I think, yeah, again, in hindsight, luckily, uh, we've been able to do those things satisfactorily at the very least. Mm, mm, that's really powerful. Let's... So, you're at the top of one mountain, right? You're 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 in you're in matric. Time now to to climb the next one. Yeah. Um, it's time now to go to university. You 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 go and want to study chemical engineering, um, and in fact you go and you study chemical. <laughs> <laughs> Not only study it, you you quite frankly, do very well in, in chemical engineering, right? Um, you know, in tutorials, people people come to you to ask, you know. Wow. Oh, I was coming to you as well, right? I think I was coming more to you most of the time, but... Maybe we would just each other in the middle in our confusion. It's like... <laughs> but then, then you, you decide, you know what? This is this is not for me, um, and you make a switch, right? That not not a lot of people, I think, would have expected you to make. Um, I think you know those who are close to you might have expected it or might have you know 
wanted you even to not to have made that immediately from the start. But take us take us on the journey of from a trick, why Kemenge, right? Why go to Kemenge? Um, the factors that played into that. And then also the switch to, to film and media. So why then that switch and why then? Um, and how was that process as well? Mm. So, you know, I think in hindsight, knowing what I knew then, I still would have done chemical engineering. You know, that was a genuine conviction I had at the time. Yeah. And what went into that? You know, typically, and, and you'll be able to relate to this, I know. Um, when you appear to have certain academic capabilities, there's always a presumption that there's a specific trajectory you need to follow. Mm. So, okay, great. I could do the maths. I could do the accounting. I could do the physics. But I could also do the drama. And I could also do the music, you know. And so... At the time, it almost felt like there was a right answer to give to this big question, what next? And honestly, with all the consultations I had and with all the, I guess, reading up I was able to do at the time, I genuinely thought that I should probably go ahead and do this thing called chemical engineering. It's chemistry. How bad could it get? Come on. It's just, you know, (laughs) little did we know. (laughs) Test one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, at, at, at the start of our conversation, I, I said that, you know, one of the things I really value is being genuine. And it took me one term of of doing chemical engineering, even though we were getting through the test while, I mean, you know, especially the maths for me still came quite naturally. I could do all that stuff. But I, for a moment, sat back and imagined 10, 15 years from where I was then and whether I'd still want to carry on doing chemical engineering. And I think the the answer for me became very clear that I didn't. You know, I, I just, this wasn't giving me my kicks. It wasn't fulfilling my spirit and it wasn't igniting, I think, that thing in all of us that we have, which is the desire to keep going, the desire to want to find out more, the desire to keep searching and and finding uh, the answers that people before us had been asking for years, which is what is the purpose of all of this? Um, and that is, is when, you know, I, I started having to reckon with that very scary prospect for many of us who did well in school, which is, oh, my gosh, I think I got this wrong, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, that I think was a point where of great turbulence at the time, you know, like you said, I mean, part of the pitfalls of, of being visible is that everyone's watching your every move. And there have been like a song and dance about me going to UCT, doing this chemical engineering thing, has this guy with all these distinctions and this is his story. Oh my gosh, step aside, Barack Obama. And it was actually in the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> it was on the Sunday Times. <laughs> and, and so now imagine if, if at the time your eighteen-year-old mind is thinking, "Gee, there's a whole article about this, and now you want to change the script." Mm. Boy, sit down. Mm. Um, mm. But eventually, I realized I had to. You know, I had to. If not for me, then for the many people who I know are rooting for me who would want me to, at the very least, be happy. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, cool. I've consulted the National Command Council of my (laughs) life. (laughs) And this is how we move forward. Um, Mm. And yeah, as you know, after the first year of chemical engineering, passed all my courses really well, actually. And I decided that's where I'm going to leave it. Um, I'm going to do what I think I've always wanted to do which thank god is what i'm doing now mm. so so link link for me that switch um to to your purpose you know so so link it for me to what you at the time thought but actually my purpose in life is to do this and hence this is why i'm walking away from this and walking towards that 
Mm. I'll be very honest with you. I still don't think I've figured out exactly what my purpose is. Um, that's probably, you know, a lifetime's worth of work. Yeah. For me, at least. But um, th- there are small signs that speak to you. You know, at the time of the when I, I was deciding whether or not this is what I wanted to do, the switch, that is, I, I spoke to a lot of people who I felt knew me really well. And I'll never forget, one of those engagements was with my music teacher, who all she said to me was, listen to that very silent voice, right? And I think as soon as she said it, I knew exactly what she was talking about, you know? That very still, not overbearing, very easy to ignore whisper almost inside of you, your heart, your mind, wherever. Um, And even that voice won't give you the answer, but it'll nudge you in the right direction. And I think that for me is what made the difference. You know, once I got that advice, it all clicked that, okay, there's always been that thing that gnaws at you, almost like a tap that's dripping, you know, just one drop a day, but you know it's dripping. You know, and eventually you're going to be forced to pay attention to that consistent drip. Um, and, and that for me, yeah, is, is when I, I, I knew for sure that, okay, this is a decision that can no longer be ignored or delayed and one that I have to take now. But I think it's also important to, to point out that even then you're not sure. Even yeah. then, it's not like this clear burning fire in the bush Moses vibes. Um, there are still so many things that are up in the air that it's enough for you to cower back into the very comfort position of having a whole lot more certainties than, you know, moving out of that comfort zone. So even when I decided, I had no idea what was coming next. Um, but again, that, that small, that thing is what she called it. Yeah. Um, for me, it was enough. To, to finally make that decision. As to whether it's linked completely to my passion, I think that still remains to be seen. What my purpose is, I think it remains to be defined. Um, but again, you know, I think we need to walk through all of these processes in as genuine and open a way as possible and seeing where the universe takes us, which yeah. is what I aim to do, at least at the very least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. So, if I had to say to you, you know, what would you say to two people? Um, person A is, is, is the matriculant, right, who's not too sure what they want to do next year and in 2021. Um, and obviously, given that it's a pandemic as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's got other problems. <laughs> Salt to, to the mix already. Um, and, you know, person B who is actually the first year varsity student who did sign up for something, is doing okay at it, but has realized, again, mm, that this is not it. What would you what would you say to individually to those two people? So person one is is the matriculate, who's not too sure what they want to do next year, um, and not too sure which direction to go, and and you know they have various options to to take, and person person B is is the the first year varsity student who says, actually, I'm not so sure I actually did the right thing here. Um, yeah. Not what I like. Mm. I think I'm going to give one answer to both scenarios, both people. And that is, if you make decisions based on what you know, with no ulterior motives, and are as open to yourself as possible, I think you'll land up where you're meant to be. So don't stress about it. Mm. That's important because if you're consistently open to the process and you allow yourself to trust the process, your decisions will keep changing. Um, But I think what we are afraid of the most is, is this the right decision right now? And will this take me directly to where I need to be? And nobody knows those answers. They mustn't lie to you. Even me, I don't know those answers. <laughs> Having it gone through the most. Oh, yeah. we, just, <laughs> we don't, you know. Um, 
but I, I'm a firm believer in the concept of you landing up where you need to be when you walk this journey honestly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that for me will just be uh, the, the very simple, uh, I guess, insight. And I'm, I'm just taking it from my own experience, you know, and it's actually, to be very honest with you, advice I got from somebody else who I had spoken to who said, you know what, what if, let's just say, what if whatever you decide doesn't really matter, as long as you're being honest, you'll end up where you need to be. So make a decision, you know, make a decision, see what happens and be open to constantly reviewing those decisions and allowing that thing that I mentioned to continuously nudge you in the right direction. That's pretty powerful. That's, I mean, you know, just as you're talking there, I'm thinking, you know what, I think what what makes decisions really difficult is we feel the pressure um, to make the right one, right? And we almost think it's this fork in the road. So we almost think it's like this thing of like, okay, if I decide to go study accounting, I can't be a doctor anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm now an accountant. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm now 65, retired accountant. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, we almost feel this, at least I, I, I can definitely say I felt that pressure where it's like, okay, if I decide to go do this, that's it. Like, that's my life. Like, that, like it's, it's done. Whereas I think you're quite right in the sense that actually you're also allowed to say, you know, sometime in, be honest with yourself, as you said again, be honest with yourself and say, actually, am I enjoying this? If I'm not, it's okay. You, you, you can at least take steps to try and change, to take another path, to take another direction. So I think that's really important what you said there. And I think how you've, how you've sort of drawn out those principles um, of being honest with yourself, I think it's really, really profound. But let's 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 calm it down a little bit. Okay, we we started off really intense. <laughs> we, we just you, went... Tapa, it's you. <laughs> That's my fault, right? <laughs> calm it down a little bit. You know, people are probably wondering who is this Ayanda guy, right? By now, uh, if they're this part part of the way through the podcast or the YouTube video, who is this guy? This guy is very interesting. But let's get to know you a little bit more. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your daily routine, um, yeah. particularly now in, in, in COVID-19 and at the time of recording, um, South Africa is within level three lockdown or advanced to level three lockdown right there, um, which is a very interesting term. Yeah. Um, we, we, our cases are rising, counting is rising at, you know, five, 5,000 plus cases per day. South Africa is rising at 13,000. 300 cases, I think last night, 394 at the time of recording. Um, right now, take me through your, and we'll come to, you know, being in media in the time of COVID-19, that we all come to a little bit later. But I just want to get to know, what's a day in Ayanda Nyati's life like? Is it calm? Is it frantic? Is it always, you know, hectic? Is it, do you actually get time to relax in throughout the day? Take us through, what's your daily routine? So I think, it's important to say at first that the days are never the same. And that's probably why I was never going to survive Kemenge. Um, <laughs> I was yeah. just, yeah, you know, like literally every sometimes the hours aren't the same. And that's probably how I'm also wired. You know, I really appreciate how things change and so far that's concerned. But to answer you directly, I'm up every morning before three o'clock, every weekday at least. And that typically involves me reevaluating my decisions the first 10 minutes because I'm thinking, how? <laughs> how did you say yes to this? <laughs> people, Some people are going to sleep at three. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and that's because, you know, obviously I need to be at work ready, um, knowing what the big stories are, knowing what to tell you by the time you search on your TV at six o'clock. So that takes an incredible amount of work. You know, we need to be up and ready hours before. By the time you have your first cup of coffee, we're on cup number three um, so that we can make sure that, you know, your time is well spent. And um, and so it's it, it takes a lot uh, out of you such that by the time you get to Friday, you really are spent. 
Um, but yeah, it'll be a three o'clock wake up call, um, you know, in studio, ready to go live by six and uh, go through um, the show. And it really flies by considering just how much happens in South Africa and the rest of the world. And, you know, you, you touch on the issue of the pandemic that has changed so much of how we work, you know, from very practical issues such as us having to do all our interviews online via Skype or Zoom or any other form to things that perhaps are not notable and such as the, the impact that it has even on, on our psyche, you know. Uh, for the most part, people who work in news are perceived to be like, you know, the machines through which we project the messages we, we send out. And we obviously, we, we're far from that. Uh, for instance, I've got colleagues who have very close family members heavily affected by COVID. Um, but in many respects, they need to show up for work and make sure that they're composed in order to, you know, guide whoever's watching through this very, very wild time of our lives. And so there's there's that, you know, we are not exempt from the issues about which we report. And sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that. Um, and so typically my day is like the day of, of many other South Africans, especially during these times, you know, you... You're navigating the world, hoping you don't come into contact with someone who is positive. And if so, hoping that if you do contract the virus yourself, you'll be fine. Um, hoping that you don't put your loved ones in danger if that does happen, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you get worried about the petrol price and, and all those different things. And so um, my day, insofar as that is concerned, is no different. But typically, after I wrap up the show at Newsroom Africa, I've got about an hour or so to head to 702, where I'd, I'd get into that process again, trying to figure out what the big stories are. And that my role at 702, or at EWN to be more accurate, actually, is is dual. You know, there are days where I'll be on the desk and there are days where I'll be on the field as a reporter. And again, there's no telling which will come next, depending on the needs of the newsroom and what's happening in the news cycle. So uh, I, I really mean it. My days are never the same. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, I, I, I must say, every 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 time, so I, I also am typically up quite early as well. And, and so my work day probably starts at about half past six. Um, but by the time I sort of go through my Twitter feed uh, just before seven, the first thing I see is, is a little clip of you. <laughs> Walking, walking to say good morning to people <laughs> on the news, and I must say it, it really does bring me like to smile every time. <laughs> so thank you for for waking up earlier. Thank you for the service. Thank you. Thank you for walking. That walk has gotten yeah, that more walk, attention, I think, walk. than anything else I would have expected. It, it got. <laughs> Into, I, I saw you were trending a little bit because of that walk. Tell me about a little bit about the walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a walk, guys. It's very, there's a signature to it. Like you, like you, I don't know what Because <laughs> you know, you know, on a video preview, you, you don't see the, the full, sometimes you don't see the full, yeah. um, picture so on the one like i just saw like the like from your like your knees down and i saw someone walk i was like that's a yonder <laughs> like it's, that's, it's something i yeah i love i love the walk it's got, got an energy to it i don't know it's just got this like <laughs> i want to take the credit but i i really can't that was a decision from the creative minds behind the show uh, people who had that vision, they were like, look, at six o'clock, you're going to walk from there to the table, yeah. say good morning and get us going. Yeah. Um, if I had known this was going to be the response, I would have been much more enthusiastic than I was when I agreed to it. But <laughs> here we are. <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay, so let's let's dive a little bit into about, you know, your your career as a as a news anchor and journalist um and as a news presenter and journalist as well i i really want to dive into you know the 
sort of common misconceptions that people have about your profession. And I think you touched on one of them um, in a slightly earlier on when you were talking about your daily routine. Um, when you said, you know, that, you know, people think that like, okay, cool. If I wake up at six o'clock, I see Ayanda doing the walk. That's like, you know, Ayanda's just got into the office and he's just woken up. Maybe, I don't know, he he maybe caught up on the day's news on, on Twitter while he was on his way to work or something. I don't know, right? Um, or listen to like the breaking news, you know, while he was driving or whatever. I think you've touched on a little bit about that misconception. We all think that like that just happens, that <laughs> like you, you just present the news. It, it just comes to you. Um, yeah. But I really want to dive into, you know, what – what are the common misconceptions that, you know, people like myself who are not in the industry um, make about, you know, the things that you actually do and the life, you know, of a news presenter and of a journalist in general? Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, we already touched on, on one of those. And that's the fact that we're immune from the stories about which we report. You know, I've got colleagues who get deeply moved by some of the stories they have to report on. Sadly, we live in a country where things like femicides, for instance, are quite common. And we have a few people in the industry who are women, you know, and in many respects, they have to dig really deep to try and bring the story, give it, you know, the kind of delicacy and respect and integrity the story deserves. But even after that, even after acing that, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not affected by it. And so I think that's, it's a point that's been made before, but I think one worth rehashing. You know, we we are in the world about which we report. And because of that, we are also moving with the ebbs and flows of that world. Um, but the other thing is, is, is also what you've touched on. You know, I am in awe when I think of just how hard some of my colleagues work, you know? Um, the incredible amount of preparation, the sheer intelligence, um, the heart that goes into putting some of the stories together. It, it really, especially on TV, it takes a village, but I think on radio as well. You know, it, it takes a village for us to put together a decent, good few minutes of news that makes sense. Because when it comes to us, it's not necessarily always coherent, but by the time you hear or listen to it, it's been cleaned up, it's been placed in a way such that it'll make sense to you and, and you know, we'll give you an idea of why it matters. Um, but yeah, I'd say, you know, those for now at least are the two big things that come to my head, you know, we're not exempt and what goes on air has probably been mulled over for a good few moments before you've come into contact with it. But I think the other misconception sometimes, and, you know, I, I don't know, some, some people in our industry might be afraid to admit this, but we don't know everything. I'll admit it. We don't. There's, there's no way, you know. Uh, we are mere mortals. Um, and, and sometimes it almost feels like there's that pressure to be an expert on every news item that makes it onto, onto the headlines. Um, and that would, I think, take away from the very real human engagement or human connection that we make with, with our audiences, right? Because sometimes we are taken aback, and it's that very surprise that helps a Tapa relate to an Ayanda. Because yeah. when Ayanda's shocked at this news item, Tapa's like, right? <laughs> this, this is this is out of this world, you know. And already, as human beings, we are together, I guess, making sense of our world. Um, and, and that's what I think, at least, protects anchors, journalists from being replaced by some kind of machine, because a machine won't 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 do that, you know. Um, but the backside of that is the fact that we sometimes learn with you, and that's okay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it's really insightful. Um, you know, I think especially you know about th that sort of emotional aspect of it. You know, which which we all come to. I think uh, I want to touch on that in a in a bit uh, where we talk about you know what it's like currently and in today's time. But I I, I want to 
you know, specifically to you now, you know, how, how are you finding it as, as a young, young professional? Um, yeah. You know, who, who is, who's also trying to, you know, build your brand, build your, your, your own career, um, you know, relatively to people, to people in that field as well. You are very young. Um, yeah. And to have got to where you got to, it it, it really is um, excellent to have, you know, to just have got to where you got to immediately right now, before we even go any further, right? Already, like, at your stage in your career, that is incredibly impressive. I want to know, do you ever feel pressure to perform? Um, And if you do... How how do you deal with that? With all of this that's also around you in terms of, you know, you're also trying to build your 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 brand as Ayanda. Um you're also trying to to you also know that you are very young for, for where you yeah. are. Um I really sort of want to backdrop it against that, but I also want to understand, you know, do you feel pressure to perform? And and if you do, how how do you practically deal with that? I feel pressure all the time, but I think it's also worth mentioning that it's not unique. Um, yeah. No matter how long you've been at this, no matter which industry you're in, if you take what you do seriously, I think you'll you'll feel the pressure, and it's probably something you can speak to as well. Um, and you know, the the idea of still being younger than a lot of people in in the industry is one I think that doesn't come to the fore as much, and that's because of the amount of support I have. Um, so I'm surrounded by people who are consistently checking on to see if I'm okay, um, whether I'm on air or not. You know, I, I've, I've seldom felt like I've been completely thrown and left in the lurch um, without a way to navigate what to do next. Um, and I've also, from the very start, come to terms with aspects of this journey where I will have shortcomings. I think that, for me, is what's helped me through moments where, you know, I've, I have come out short. And there's definitely been those moments, and I have no doubt that there'll be plenty others in the yeah. near future. So once you've come to terms with that, it's much easier to deal with the pressure, you know, accepting that you two are learning. And I guess as time goes on, you will make sure that you don't make the same mistakes, even though you'll keep making mistakes. I don't know if that makes sense, you know. Um, And it's the concept of falling forward, you know. If it goes wrong, acknowledge it's gone wrong, learn from it, and don't let it go wrong for the same reasons again. And that's been my motto, you know. That's that's been how I've I've gone through this. but I guess it's also kind of laced in the appreciation that everybody started somewhere, and eventually you have to you have to start so that you can be the people that you've always looked up to, who've done this for so long, and who continue to do it so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I had to ask you, what are three three words that people, or three phrases that people that immediately come to mind when, when people hear the name Ayanda Nyati. So what are the, the three? I mean, the walk, the walk is definitely one. Definitely <laughs> 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 a more recent one, but let's, let's park that one across. What are, what do you think are three phrases or at least that you are working for people to associate with you? Um, oh, okay. But that's a very different you, question. Yeah, so as you, as you, let me ask you rather ask that question as opposed to, yeah. you know, what are people saying? I think I'm more asking about what is your intention um, in terms of the brand that you're building as a person and as a professional? Um, mm. What are those three phrases that you are working towards for people to associate with you? Yeah, I think like, like many journalists, it's, it's credible, reliable, and... I guess relatable. You know, I think yeah, those would be my actual three three words. And you know, that's much harder to do than people would imagine, you know. Um it takes a while before 
anybody will trust you with mm. their world, which is yep. what essentially being in the news business is about, you know, um, mm. enabling people to hear you and not question what you're saying because you've done this for long enough and well enough for them to know that what you're saying is probably true. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, generally that's what newsrooms across the world are constantly striving for. And I'm no different from that. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm exempt from that dream. That yeah. At I, some I, have, <laughs> I have the, the relatable part. That's really sure. Yeah. That's really, <laughs> I like that. You can relate. <laughs> I really like that. So, okay, a couple of questions or a few questions from from our listeners. Um, you know, some of them I've already sort of asked you already and leave those through. But um, let's let's touch on a few at the moment. So, so um, you know, something I always tell uh, guests of the show is that the listeners ask great questions. Um, they <laughs> they often questions as I see it pop up on my phone. I'm like, ooh, okay, that's. that's <laughs> I don't even know how I would answer that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they ask really amazing questions. So, but, you know, so the first one, which I'd like you to answer is, um, you know, so are there any news items that for you have provoked your prior beliefs um, in within your reporting or your writing? Um, I've... Uh... Luckily, my, my, when I was at UCT, I, I think I went through an important phase, for lack of a better term, of reckoning with the fact that you won't always have the answers. And I'll tell you why I, I mentioned that now. A lot of the time, people are taken aback, have their beliefs rocked by certain stories, when they had previously thought that they had figured it all out. And I have never been in that position. You know, I, I've always known that, you know, even though I, for instance, believe in the Holy Trinity, there's going to be an instance where a compelling argument is made against why that belief, at the very least, is shaky, you know. Yeah. And because of that, uh, I haven't, I can't, I'm trying to think very hard of a moment where I was taken aback. I can think of many moments, though, where I was compelled, you know, many moments where I was like, wow, this is, this is really, this is well thought through, and I'm glad I had this discussion. And that ranges from things to do with the economy to issues like I've alluded to uh, relating to faith. Um, and, and because I think of that process while I was still in varsity, that that reckoning that, sure, there's a whole world out there with all kinds of possibilities. I've never really been shook, so to speak. You know, that's, the, that's the term on the Twitter streets. I've, I've, <laughs> never, <laughs> I've never been overly shook by the stories I do. Mm-hmm. And the second question is, is, you know, so it's related to that. Uh, you know, where do you draw the line between your personal beliefs, right, and how you also present something without bias. So how do you sort of manage that as well? So I think what is really exciting, especially in, in South African media, is that there's a, there's a raging debate around that, right? This idea that we need to present newsmen and women or news people as these objective beings that exist in silos and are not affected by the world. And slowly, I think we're moving towards a very real acknowledgement that we are going to feel some type of way about some stories. And sometimes it comes across, even in the line of questioning, that many people who are even way more experienced than I am, uh, that they take. You know, you can you can almost see when, yeah, I don't want to mention names, but when someone is annoyed or irritated before the interview starts. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a sense that, okay, this is where this one is going with this one. And, yeah, you know, slowly we are starting to be okay with that because I think it drives home the point I'd made earlier, which is the fact that we are humans in the world about which we report. And, of course, we're going to be moved in certain directions by those stories. And it's it's becoming 
I think the relationship we have with that reality is becoming much healthier, you know, yeah. because, yeah, we, we're being more open about that. You know, some people are going to be incredibly upset yeah. that there are regulations against, you know, same-sex marriage. Some people are going to be very upset that, um, you know, people in a factory in the Eastern Cape haven't been paid for years. And some people are going to be very upset that the Chief Justice is speaking in a way that paints Israel in a particular way, you know? And slowly we are being okay with that. And I think I'm also luckily entering the industry whilst that conversation is taking place. So I've never really had to worry about being upset, you know, because of a certain topic. What is my responsibility, though, is to ensure that the people I disagree with are given as much time and empowerment to make their point and leaving it up to you as a viewer or a listener to decide where you stand. So sure, I might not agree with the guest. Mm. I can allow that to come through in our discussion, but I mustn't allow that to empower and take over that discussion. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I'm, I'm very lucky that, you know, we're entering the world with, with that conversation currently taking place. It's a really important point, right, about, you know, you, you, you as, as someone who is, you know, bringing us the news, you're, you're also a human, right? So you also have your views and your opinions. But yeah. we, we as the viewers sometimes don't see it that way. We almost think you should just churn it up. Like, <laughs> like you should just tell us what it is. But in reality, it's a bit more, you know, complex than that. So let's, let's come to, being in the news in the times of COVID-19, right? So I, I, I can imagine just like any other industry, you know, this has really changed the way that, you know, you you work. Um, instead of, you know, guests coming into the studio um, and having that face-to-face -face contact, um, you are now doing recordings like we're doing right now, right? Yeah. Virtually. Um, you know, this is... This is now the norm for everybody. But I want to understand first before that, this must be quite emotionally taxing for you. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with that? The way everybody, I think, should, which is to lean on your support structure. Mm. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have support in my professional life and in my personal life. And you just, you constantly lean on that. Um, whilst also, I guess, realizing sometimes that people might lean on you. So sometimes now and again in the newsroom, you're expected to go a bit further than you typically would because a colleague is going through something. Or, you know, you are expected to show up in ways that you wouldn't. Because, you know, the people who usually do that aren't able to. Uh, and luckily, when you are in a position where you aren't necessarily able to, quote unquote, pull your weight, other people step into the breach and do that for you. Uh, and I, I can't imagine a situation where you deal with these issues in any other way. You know, um, it, it's such unprecedented times. We're constantly in shock living with heightened levels of anxiety um, that, you know, I think that that humanity that got us here is what's going to get us through this moment too, which is to constantly be there for each other. And yeah, luckily, you know, I, I'm in work environments where there's an appreciation of that. You know, it's not always just about the work, you know, quite often. In fact, just yesterday, I had one of my managers pull me aside and just ask, how are you doing? You know, how's, how's everything? And it, it's it's that. It's that off-screen off time that, that makes the difference so that when you are on air, you're able to continue doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so do you ever get a chance to take breaks? I mean, do, do, do you ever, you know, what, what sort of daily habits do you have? What's that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, word, that word is not in your vocabulary. <laughs> I do. What what daily habits do you have in place, the checks and balances, to make sure yeah. actually mentally and emotionally you'll be, you're in check and you're okay um, yeah. as you sort of go through this? Because 
invariably it's almost like a like a centrifuge, right? It's like you once you're in, like you're spinning. It's mm. like um, like you every hour there's something new, something's happened, and you constantly have to get ready for that and emotionally ready for that and emotionally ready to bring it to us as as the viewers, right? And for us to digest that, right? What what daily habits do you have in place, you know, to sort of keep yourself in check in that respect? Yeah, I'm a big classical music fan, um, mm. and why I mention that is because now and again you just need to switch off, which is what many people in the industry struggle with, right? So for me, I don't have to be at work to be working, if that makes sense, you know? Yes. Um, because there's news all around us, you know. There, there's news on the radio, there's news on TV, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I think most of us need to guard against that, especially, you know, a doctor when they're done being in the theater, they're not going to operate on someone during dinner. But a journalist can very easily still be dealing with journalistic stuff on Twitter, on Facebook, even at home. And so what I try to guard against every day is having that downtime where you just completely switch off. Where if you ask me what's the top story, I have no idea. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> because, you know, I, I just, I just got to take some, some time out, even if it is for a moment. And, you know, uh, because there's so much happening, sometimes that's all you can afford, you know, just that, that moment. On really bad days, it's like on my drive back home. That's the yeah. only time I'll, I'll have downtime. But as soon as I get to the house, again, you know, you, you get back into engaging with what's happening in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, what, what I also find sometimes works is, is having friends in the industry where you guys can speak about what it is you're struggling with and that relatability, you know, people who can almost finish your sentences helps. Mm -hmm. so that's how we feel it, yeah. What is, what is the new normal like, um, oh. you know, for you practically in the industry? Um, you know, what is, what is it actually, what has practically changed now compared to how it was, you know, previously pre, pre-COVID-19? Sure. First of all, the new normal hasn't been discovered yet. Yeah. I haven't found anybody who's been honest enough to say that. We have no idea. <laughs> what the new normal is looking like. When you figure it out, you tell us. But mm. obviously, there are visible changes. For one, I think you'll walk into any newsroom in South Africa and probably in the world, and you'll find it's much emptier than what it used to be. And I think what that suggests is that we're going to move into a space where newsrooms are occupying much fewer space than they used to. Because we're learning now that, you know, we can still continue doing what we're doing, literally scattered all over the place, you know? Mm. At first, there used to be this concept, and I think it's probably the same in, in mining, which is where you're in. At first, there used to be this concept that everybody needs to be together, kumbaya, make tea in the kitchen, like high-five yeah. each other and do all these great things before getting into work. But now we're realizing, hold on, you know, at least half of you can be at home and will mm -hmm. still be able to do what we're doing. And I think that's the most notable change that's currently happening. And I think because it's happening so quickly and so well, it's probably going to be one of the many things that are going to be retained post-COVID-19, whenever that is. You know? Yeah. But as far as everything else, I think it's still in the works. You know, We need to be very honest about that. We, we're still very much also scratching our heads and asking questions about where on earth is this going? So, yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all just kind of figuring it out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, um, you know, I really want to give a bit of a slot to for you to give a piece of advice um, that you would have, um, you know, for particularly, I think, a young uh, aspiring individual you know, who's at the start of their career, um, initially, you know, sort of in that step of, you know, is sort of starting out in the workplace or um, if, you know, they're a teacher, they're in the schools, if they're, if they're a, a lecturer, they're in the universities, but 
you know, a young person who's who's starting out, just like you know, you and I did, um, you know, just over a year and a bit ago, um, sort of full time in their career. What piece of advice would would you give um, to that person? Sure. I'm. I think for me, I'm gonna share what was shared with me. Mm. Ask as many questions as you can, and be willing to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, I think that's what's helped me in my trajectory. Um, if you're lucky enough to do what you love, do it. Because I think that's the part we didn't touch on. Some people can't for a whole host of reasons. But if you're lucky enough to do what, you, what you're passionate about, go ahead and do it. But even then, that's actually where the work starts, you know? So be inquisitive, you know? Ask, ask as, as much as you... I, I still ask, you know? I, uh, in many respects, approach things wondering <laughs> more than anything else. Um, and then be willing to do the stuff that nobody else wants to do because that's that's where it all begins, you know. Um, my first interaction or my first kind of stint in broadcasting was a small Yana role at 2 a.m. on a Saturday. Now, yeah. I am young and happening, right? 2 a.m. on a Saturday. I need to be on the streets. <laughs> I need to be within the people. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? It's cool. I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this because I know nobody else wants to do it. And um, that's where you, you carve out you know, all the stuff you need to. And what people don't tell you is that's where you are in a space to make your mistakes in peace you know, and really learn from them. So that at a time where it's no longer just 2 a.m. on a Saturday night. It's now 7 a.m. on a weekday. You mm. hopefully have learned enough to do what you need to do because, of course, a whole lot more is at stake. Um, so, yeah, those are the two things. Ask questions, be inquisitive, wonder more than anything else, and don't be afraid to do the stuff nobody else wants to do. Yeah. Sure. Really, really insightful words there. I think it's still relevant no matter what stage of the career you're at, right? 100%. 100%. So, Ayanda, I, I just want to thank you um, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule uh, to to be on the show. Um, I think you have shared some really insightful words with us. I think the power of your your story I think the way you've been able to draw out the lessons from that um, has really been impactful. Um, you know, even even for me, who knows about all of this, right? I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, like, sure, that's that's really um, that's that's just incredibly inspirational. And I think you always have been um, incredibly inspirational. I want to thank you for for sharing those lessons that you have that you have you know, gleaned along the way um, in the journey of life. Um, and I want to thank you for being a part of the, the community and, and, and the Impactful Conversations community and for sharing, you know, your lessons, your challenges, your uh, perceptions with us, um, you know, ultimately to achieve the goal of this platform, which is to educate and inspire. So thank you very much for coming on to the show. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, I think it's been a, a trip down memory lane for a yeah. bit, and uh, which has been awesome as well, right? Because I think we we hardly ever get that time mm. to 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 do that as well to actually sort of reflect. And I know at the beginning of the chat off air we we discussed about the fact that it is going to be quite a reflective, um, you know, episode as well. So I I just want to thank you, and I just want to say, you know, I I really appreciate this chat. But also really appreciate the excuse that we had to catch up as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a great moment for me to also remember how generous you are. So don't stop that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ayanda. Ayanda, until the next time, 
I I would love to have you back on the show. This is not a a, a one time thing. This is a, the beginning of of a of a little journey um, of your time on the show. So you know, sometime in sure. in the future, the show is not going away anytime soon. It's it's not a it's not a pandemic. You know, inspiration. <laughs> this is something which I've wanted to start since August 2019. Um, uh. And this has been something which I've been keen to start since then. So this is really a, a platform for the long term. So I really want to thank you. But um, until the next time we, we chat, uh, stay safe, wear a mask, stay healthy, wash your hands, use sanitizer. Um, yeah, sure. I sound like I'm from the Department of Health. <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking. Zwilling keys. Thank you. <laughs> But um, thank you, Yanda. Stay safe, sure. keep well, and we'll speak soon. Sure. Thanks, Tafa. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the episode. I hope that you were impacted positively and that you found substance and significance whilst listening to the episode. Head over to the Impactful Conversations website at impactfulconversations.co.za to find out more about the show. To stay up to date with the latest episodes, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star rating. You can also check out and subscribe to my episodes in video format on the Impactful Conversations YouTube channel. Just head over to YouTube and search Impactful Conversations. Thank you to all who have listened in and subscribed. Why not share the episode with a family member or a friend who you think could be positively impacted? Anyway, until the next episode, bye-bye, stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your hands.